and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. Today is a continuation of last week's feedback episode. We'll pick up where we left off last week. We have a few more bits of feedback to add in as well. Oh, and we promise this is the last time we'll talk about rule books for a long time. But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, the SGC, and the Gift of Games in Gray's Lake. And a huge thank you to all our other patrons as well. Okay, we just got through Super Bowl weekend. Fletcher, do you do Super Bowl weekend? I mean, I go to the parties and stuff, but I don't really follow football. I'm a bad Texan. <laughs> Kitty, you don't really follow football either, but I think Spencer more I mean, makes up for it. I follow football only because Spencer follows football and it's literally unavoidable in our household. Like, I knew more about the Super Bowl this year than I, like, I don't know, every year I just seem to accidentally pick up more and more football knowledge. I just like, so I went over to your place for, uh, to watch the Super Bowl, and I just love that you found this thing on Reddit that allowed you to (laughs) contribute to the conversation. I mean, I am actually not bad at contributing to the conversation. I just wasn't watching much of the game because I had player three to deal with, um, and his cousin, and uh, my sister, my his mom was not there, so <laughs> I was juggling two toddlers. Um, but this list on Reddit I found earlier in the day was just, it really just made Spencer mad. So <laughs> that was its best, best part. So it had some phrases like, they just need to establish their running game. Um, I'm trying to There's remember. There's a lot of game left. There's still a lot of game yeah, left, and I really got Spencer with that one good at one point. <laughs> and I kept trying to like these are catch. There were two ways. These are catchphrases that like mean something, but you can kind of like throw them out almost at any point in the game. Pretty it much. It gave you like times that you should say it, or like times it's like more applicable to say. So like you know, if your team has the ball, you say they just need to establish their running game. <laughs> but um. There's a lot of time, or there's a lot of game left. Is uh, something you can say literally at any time because it's football, and minute twenty in football can be just as long as like forty five minutes of football, depending on what they do. Right? Yeah, I know. How that many timeouts? Who has? <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say I didn't. I haven't been following football during the season much the last few years, um, but I do like football. Football. If I have to watch a sport, that's the one that I'll watch. And it was a really good game, though. I mean, as far as games go, if you watch football, this was one that was... Because yeah, a nice comeback it, at the end. Spoiler alert. I mean, yeah. the Chiefs have just been playing crazy this year. It's insane. Yeah. They were tied going... Chicago in- could have had Mahomes. <laughs> we're so well, bitter about it. <laughs> well, I think the Chiefs were down by 10. So it was 20 to 10 at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And then they just decided to go and get 22 unanswered points. And there you go. The oh, Super Bowl I mean, party. It's not I, the first time that the Chiefs have done that this season. The Super Bowl party I was at, they had one. The big, t- the big TV was playing the game, and then um, they had a smaller TV set up for the Puppy Bowl. And at times, there's probably more people watching the Puppy Bowl than the Super Bowl. The Puppy Bowl is pretty good. Yeah. You guys have any favorite commercials? I liked the Groundhog's Day commercial. That uh, probably was my favorite too. My two favorite ones were the Rick and Morty one, because Pringles one, because I like Rick yeah. and Morty. And uh, I really like the, I forget what he was advertising, but it was a Jason Momoa commercial where he's like, he could kick back oh. and relax. 
<laughs> where he kept taking off his muscles and then yeah. he took off his hair and he's bald and, and he was like a weak little thin guy <laughs> i thought that was pretty funny yeah that was disturbing because of like uh really cgi is too good because i'm i'm freaked out by what i'm seeing here also maybe it's not that good because it was just off enough to really freak me out even more but no it was good it was good all right should we talk about feedback no all right episode (laughs) done don't ask (laughs) questions you don't want answers to chris (laughs) something i've learned with toddlers <laughs> don't Never ask rhetorical ask, do questions. Do you want to go to bed? It's not a question. <laughs> yeah. Do you it want to go to bed? No. 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 <laughs> oh, that wasn't well, a question. It just bad. sounded like one. <laughs> yeah. It's not. Do you want to go to bed? It's it's bedtime. Yep. Now. All right. Um, it's time to read feedback now. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> You're learning. Good parenting, Chris. All right. You so to catch people taught. up. Last week, we were talking about feedback, which was a whole lot of feedback about rule books, and we ran out of time, and we even went long. So now, we still have a bunch of feedback, and we're just going to go through this. There's one from Jason Marks, which is pretty lengthy, um, but we have a lot of little stuff from a bunch of other people, too. And then we will not talk about rule books for a really long time. It's going to go on our list right under Kickstarters. So we don't talk about Kickstarter. <laughs> we don't talk about rule books. What's the first rule of uh, Tabletop Game Talk? <laughs> never talk about Kickstarter and never talk about rule books. I don't think that's the first. That could be a one rule. We'll just put an and in there. Um, which is sad because I like talking about both these things. But we don't need to over talk about stuff. We have plenty of subjects. So, Fletcher, why don't you kick us off? All right. Ready, go. This, uh, Eric Dodd wrote in, and this is on, on learning games in steps. So he writes, One of the problems was trying to do a programmed or step-by-step learning approach is when the initial steps are too simplistic or don't show the full depth of the game. The Taverns of Tiefenthal, I don't know how to pronounce is that right? No, that's pretty good, yeah. All right. Sounds good to me. Seems to be one of these games where the basic setup is too basic for most people who who have p- played, say, The Quacks of Quindleburg. Are these real games? <laughs> these are real <laughs> games. Oh, um, alliteration. It, <laughs> yeah. More serious gamer... Gamers might dismiss games like this after only playing the basic version, while they might have enjoyed the version with three or four modules added later. A lot of scenario-style war games do take this approach of teaching new rules or using new exceptions in later scenarios and having the basic ones and having the basic ones at the start. Game companies need to match the best method of learning and understanding the game for the complexity and depth of game that they're selling. If there are multiple versions of the game in the box, they should also make it clear if the first version of the game you learn is just an introduction or if it really reflects the whole experience. Yeah, I see this as a common way. Yeah, I, I see this as a, as a common way um, complicated games can take an approach in how to teach things. So, like the Taverns of Tiefenthal, this is in its basic form is a pretty straightforward game. Um, there are four mix and match modules that you can put in or pull out at your leisure. And having all four modules in doesn't make the game all that more complicated for quote unquote gamers. Um, it just gives you more options and more ways to win, some more things to do. Where having the modules not there can actually create a very simplistic game where you're like, okay, well, there's just nothing here. But it's a, it's, it's complicated though, right? Because if you want this game to be approachable, you're like, here's the approachable version of the game. If you want it to be gamer, 
here's the extra stuff you can do to make this more of a gamer game. But how do you identify that without putting one group or the other off? Like, I think calling it a beginner or like a starter thing. I don't know. I see that a lot. Like, play your first game this way and then mix and match however you want or whatever it is. Those aren't so bad. But when you give it like complexity levels or terms of like novice, intermediate, advanced, those can be like, I don't know, alienating to some people, I think. Yeah. What do you think, Fletcher? Um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, the best way that I can kind of think, I haven't played either of these games. And I've never actually even heard of them. I thought they were kind of made up. Um, <laughs> they do sound made up. They're by the same person they who do. Uh, designed the mind. Very yeah. different games in the mind, though. Um, I mean, the only way I can kind of think about this is you have to go with a game that actually has more of a deep, um, well, I guess there's more depth to it. Like, even if you just play, like, Settlers of Catan, like, you play the basic setup, you play that a few times and be like, oh, okay, I can kind of see, like, the strategy in this. And then, I don't know if they call it advanced, but instead of the basic setup, you, like, randomly select select the tiles. So you have um, a little bit more, like, interplay, um, and you know that there's not exactly the same board setup every time. Um, You can start to develop strategies and, I don't know, just ways of, like playing based on the board that way as opposed to the basic yeah, starting set yeah that's another one that's kind of interesting too is like having that advanced setup because even like you know star wars rebellion um i just started playing that and it's like here's the setup to do for your first game and then here's the advanced setup for future games and when we first played it's like okay we don't have any idea what's going on so we'll do the the basic one and for that game Everything was essentially, and, and Gatan's sort of the same thing, where everything's essentially the same, except for it's a predetermined random setup. But you're not stripping out rules or anything. You're just making right. that setup a little bit more balanced while you are learning the rules. When you strip out rules, that feels, that's trickier. Because there's a lot of games where I'll read the rules and it's like, okay, in the basic setup, you're going to do this. Or for your first game, that's that's a good catchphrase for your first game, do this. And I'm like, but I'm probably only going to play this game once. So I don't really want to do the, for your first game rules. I want to do the full game rules. And then you have to kind of skip around because the rules are teaching you for your first game. So you have to learn that and then learn the advanced rules at the same time before you even start playing the game, which it's not really set up to do. I think it's really good when games have this kind of, you're going to play it differently for your first game setup that that's its own like one sheet is this is your first game setup and then the rest of the rule book is this is how you set up the normal game like as long as it's like this is the tutorial this is the real rules then you can skip the tutorial if you feel like you can and it doesn't force you to kind of follow that and honestly if you're trying to set up future games it's a better setup for the rule book anyway because you're only going to use that tutorial style once and you're going to have to set up the game more than one time. Yeah. I think I would actually prefer the rule book say here's the full game and then have a little sidebar saying, you know, first game, do this instead. So then I'm yeah, reading I and learning the full game and I can read the sidebar and say, "Oh, if I want to do this instead." Don't give me sidebars. I hate sidebars. <laughs> I hate columns. I just want it to be formatted like I read a normal book. I want <laughs> I want the other, like, you know, if you want to 
have a first game setup, it needs to be its own section, the setup for the first game. And then, like, you can have in the further rules, like, if learning, skip to number whatever. Yeah. I, I mean, that's we are completely opposite on this because that kind of setup in rulebook is what frustrates me when I'm trying to learn the full game and want to not worry about dealing with the basic setups or whatever. Now, and, and again, setup is one thing. If it's I mean, just setup, how is it interfering with you if it's a separate sheet? It's a different thing. You're just reading the full rules and there's like a little parenthetical you can gla- gloss over. Well, yes, that's that's what I'm basically saying for the sidebars. As I'm reading the full no, rules, no sidebars are interference. It's, it's like if it's, <laughs> it's on the same, the same page, I'm it's with Chris too on much. This. I'm with Chris. Like I would pref- sidebars are awful. Well, I mean, not. with with what you guys are both saying, if I'm reading the rules, I want to see like first game setup, and then how to set up the first game, and it's like otherwise, like. This is how you set up the game other than the first Regular setup. game setup. Right. But that's yes. pretty much the same thing as a sidebar, except it's except not on the side. Except that it makes the page look more cluttered and harder to read. <sighs> well, but I mean, here's the problem. Again, if you're just talking setup, fine. It doesn't matter. But it's not I'm, – I'm not referring to the things that are just setup. I'm talking to the things that are actually changing the rules for the first game. And that happens. Well, that's bad. <laughs> that's right, bad well, design. <laughs> but that happens for things like, you know, Taverns of Tiefenthal where – you know, you're reading, you read through the rules, and then the extra four modules are tacked on at the end. And they are taught as if you've already played a game of the non, not having the expansions there. So it's, it would be better to say, okay, let's just put all these rules in place where they belong. And then we'll put a sidebar saying, hey, if this is your first game, feel free to skip this section and don't do this. Because that way, as I'm See, learning and I'm learning the full game, and I'm still able to strip things out versus having to learn the game five times. That's fair. I think this is just a formatting thing, and it's hard to talk formatting without seeing because I'm gonna bust what out you Quark just Express said sounds. <laughs> <laughs> what you just said sounds more like what I was envisioning, but we're not using the same words because you keep saying like sidebar, which to me means like here's the main text, and then there's like off to the side, there's a little column. That's basically what I'm thinking. Or a bubble. You can make it a bubble in the middle of the main text where here's the blue text that makes everything easier and you can skip over it if, you know, it's you don't want to make it easier or something. Or I was just thinking it's like numbered steps and it's like, step one, do this. If simple game setup, go to step four. Well, And then it gives you all the rules at once. And, you know, like if you read two and three, it's not a problem. It's not out of order at all or anything. But you can just also skip to four, and it just tells you, like, that's where you should be skipping. So this is a good segue into our next feedback um, from Robert. And this will we'll elaborate on his first point here in just a second. So let's, let's skip on to Robert, and we'll continue this conversation. <laughs> All right. So Robert says, humans learn through observation, mimicry, instructor-led, doing, and reading. We have to keep these three methods in mind, so my solution is threefold. For the readers, streamline rulebooks, just the facts, how to play, gameplay examples, and a glossary of terms and icons. Don't clutter up with flavor text. Also, this is the 21st century, so have FAQs, game aids, and expanded rules on your website and the Board Game Geek page. You can also provide this information while putting the cost of printing these optional documents to the, onto the consumer. 
you don't have to include everything in the box. All right. So actually, let's read the other ones so that we don't lose the other ones. We'll talk about all three of them at okay. once. For the mimics, streamlined how to play videos. Just the facts, no jokes, no skits, no gimmicks. Show me the components, the starting setup, the game interactions, and how an overall game flows. Nothing more is needed. Instructor, ah, sorry, I feel like I'm going to sneeze. Um, instructor-led <laughs> instruction is a very powerful tool. And for the doers, host in-store demos and have demos at conventions. Board games are a tactile experience. Get the pieces in the player's hands. Yes. So, um, jumping back to think about our last one, for the readers, even that is problematic because as Kitty and I and Fletcher are talking about, we prefer our reading to happen and our teaching to happen <laughs> in different ways. I don't mind flavor text. I there's some rule books that I've read that where the flavor text is literally like a little character with a speech bubble. That's cool flavor text to me. It stays out of the way of of the game. I will say that when you're learning the rules, the rules should be the rules. The flavor text should have its own thing, italicize it or something. But I don't actually mind the flavor in there. I like rule books that are snarky. So it's like the personality of the game comes through when you're learning the rules. That's fine to me as well. But I also get that, you know, sometimes it's like, just give me the facts. Give me the rules. So I don't want to come across as like Scrooge, like, ugh, I hate flavor. I hate backstory. I hate everything. I like these things, too. I just don't like them when it is interspersed with the when actual it's cluttering rules. up my rule book. <laughs> <laughs> no, like if you open to the first page and it's like, here's a paragraph setting our world. And it's really clear that that's what it is. Sometimes it's really cool. It can have very cool art. It can have really interesting backstory. Totally cool with that. As long as then I turn to the next page and it says components and it has none of that there. I want it in its own section. I don't like it when it says components. These are the components built of the world, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and they're made of this rare resource where and i have to read all of this backstory built into the component descriptions what i want is sure. these blue pieces do this <laughs> you want all of your flavor text in italics in its own paragraph so you can easily yes. skip it and I, I do like it when it's when the text is all in line and everything looks like a book but like, you know, nicely formatted with like bullet points and like that kind of stuff. I don't like it when here's the main stuff you're reading, but then here's another column and here's some speech bubbles and here's a outset text box, which is not part of the paragraph above or below. You have to read it separately and figure out where you're supposed to put it in. That's just like, it's like 90s textbook horror story. Although I will say that this can go to extremes too. So all of the FFG... Uh, rules references, which are not meant to be read to teach you the game. The references have like paragraph three, subsection two, section A. Like it's these outlined. It can go too far. Yeah. And and the thing is, it's very It's like doing taxes. It's refer, to, it refer to section 8B. <laughs> it, it is very much like that. And again, it's it's informative. And most of the times it gives you all the information you need. It's just not very welcoming as far as like that approach and i i think that sometimes trying to be too program programmatic like literally coding instruction books is not a good way of technically presenting information to the masses no and i don't mind when rules you know come across as snarky like as long as it's you know being descriptive and the snark is like 
you know, well-placed and it's not taking you out of understanding the rules. It can be great. I'm not saying I want like flavorless, boring, like encyclopedia article rule books. I'm just kind of particular about my formatting. And I think this goes to like, you know, when you look at how to play videos, there's tons of people putting out how to play videos. You can find somebody who teaches in your style of, you know, we all, I think here, like Rodney Smith, he does a really good job of teaching games the way we like to learn them. But there are people who really like the jokes. They like the asides. They like the tangents. And they're going to go for that more. And there's people out there who do that. But with a rule book, there's only ever one rule book for the game. And so you have to kind of well, that's sort of Robert's, that's sort of Robert's point, though, is there shouldn't be. There should be an online FAQ at the minimum. And I'll actually go a step further. So Keyforge came out, and they have a pamphlet in their starter box. And it's it's like a, a like a two-page pamphlet that teaches you how to play. You never need to read anything more, and you can play Keyforge from there. You may not be making the correct rulings when, you know, questions come up, but for most people who are casual, who cares? You, you know, you make the ruling for the people that you're playing with, and you play that way. The actual rule book is online, and it changes every few months to update with frequently asked questions, to clarify different things. Like, that is a good way to handle rule books, where it's like, look, I can print this rule book out, or I can just give you the quick how to play. And if you want more details, you want to know exactly what's going on, here's the link. Everyone, almost everyone has access to the internet. And if you don't, you're probably not buying these particular board games anyway. So I yeah, just. Yeah, but you're not going to find, like, and I mean, I love this. This is a great way to do things, not dissing this at all. But what I was, the, the more point I was trying to make is like, um, there's not like a, what is it on Apple? Like the read version yeah. of the rules where it eliminates all of the like ads in my mind of like, get away speech bubbles, get out of here illustrations that are making the text move around them. Well, like, I don't want that. Well, I just interesting want the thing text. Is if you did go online for your rules, you don't have to make it PDF. You could just make it HTML and then you could turn on and off the different things that you like so that you could have a rule book that caters to different ways people learn. So this I would love that. This is something you could easily do. Well, maybe not easily, but it's something you could do. You could do. And sounds I don't know, closer to the writing an app problem of like But it's a the more complex you make it to do. Sure. The- but it is a whole lot easier to write text on a web page than it is to create a full on app. Now, I do want to cover the other things he said here. So mimicking, um, streamline how to play videos. The problem with a lot of how to play videos is, well, twofold. One, it's a tiny, tiny subset of videos that for the games out there. Most board games do not have a how to play video that goes along with them. Not of any quality. Maybe sometimes by the designer, um, but even those are pretty bad oftentimes. But they're not really set up for you to follow along and learn. Like Rodney Smith does a good job of essentially reading the rule book to you in a visual way, but you're not following along. You're not playing the game with him. He's just, he's showing you, here's the setup. And then here's the example of all the different moves you can make. It's not a continuous game. It's not a follow along type of thing. So you're not really mimicking anything when you watch a video. You're just getting your rule book in video form for the most part. Um, and which leads into the doers, which I believe is, for the most part, this is how most people want to learn board games. Show me how to do it. 
Well, hosting is in-store demos and demos at conventions and stuff is not a scalable approach. It just doesn't work. So this is really the category that we have to find a better way how to get doers to be able to learn games in a very easy way. And there is no simple way to do that. Like right now, right now we don't have a solution for that. Like that's basically what we've been talking about for the last three episodes is how do we get those people who do not learn from rule books, who do not learn from videos? Cause honestly, videos are just a different form of rule book. How do we get those doers an easier method? I think into you're the game? being too harsh on videos. No, I'm not being harsh on them. Um, I mean, we've seen a lot of people write in. It's like, <laughs> it's not the nicest statement you just made, but, but that's the thing though. Like videos. They're not easy for reference, right? So if a rule gets mentioned, like finding that rule is not trivial. Some videos have great layouts, but it's just there's not enough of those kinds of videos. Um, it's not something where you're following along with it. Most videos are pretty darn bad. Um, I mean, they're they're just pretty darn bad. They're hard to learn from. Um, and you're trusting one person to teach you a game without any kind of interaction with that person. So I don't think there's anything wrong with videos. I think they're a great supplement to rule books. They're not a replacement for rule books, though, which I think I'm getting at what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> yeah, you know, then we're coming back down to the fundamental argument we have here. Of, like, you're treating rule books like a dirty word. I am not. And I No, I am not. You are hearing me treat it like a dirty word. I am saying the rule books are intimidating for people who don't like rule books, which is the vast majority of people who play games. And so being able to make that less of a barrier is an important thing. What I'm saying is most people just like to be taught games. I would rather be taught a game than learn from a rule book. I, I yeah, kn- I just don't know unless we're like going to set up like online video conferencing of people who like know how to play the game, what the solution is, because the the trying to get rid of rule books, I think Okay, again, you're, just, no, no, I'm not saying getting rid of rule books. I'm saying making them less intimidating for, for the doers, not the readers. It's a different thing. I just, I don't know how to make a rule book less intimidating, aside from, you know, the things I've kind of already said 800 yeah. times. Well, uh, and that's so, the thing. So. <laughs> I would say, Kitty, I mean, your approach is fine, but like a lot of people find a wall of text intimidating and they want the, like those graphics and speech bubbles and stuff like that because if you open up a rule book and it looks like a book people are going to be like no <laughs> no i like images i like component pictures the pictures of actual components i just don't like it when the text is laid out in like eight different ways right but so like it's not a wall of text it's text relevant picture text relevant picture yeah bullet point list of you know things People that find should that be listed because that then it looks like a textbook like to make it look i'd less rather have a textbook i know you rather have read. it that's fine i think that people are wrong about what they want <laughs> I, think you think you like, okay. I think you think you like speech bubbles but instead they're just distracting you from actually learning the game i'm and pretty good at tuning out reading stuff 900 speech bubbles okay well i don't on. know there's some really bad speech bubble text poor rule books out there i'm sure don't there disagree. are but like in my head i always think of like uh what is, what's that game the captain is dead yep um that has a lot of like unnecessary images i would say with like speech bubbles and how it's like laid out at like angles um and 
maybe I, I have really good like punch the monkey blinders or something like that, and I can just like focus on what I need and uh, I appreciate all the other you know chrome around it. Um, but it doesn't bother me, and I can see how it makes instructions less intimidating to someone who doesn't actually want to open up a literal book or pamphlet. Yeah, I think I think you're- this rule book is actually very well laid out. I'm looking at it right now. I don't see a single speech bubble. Well, My biggest problem with it is that it's two column text. Right. Well, hold on. What I'm what I'm thinking the, the difference here is you are thinking about people after opening the rule book. We are talking about the people who look at the cover of a rule book and say, "Nope, they don't care to read it. They don't care to open it up." That part right there is where they stop. There's a rule book. I have to learn the rules. Nope, I'm out. So. Yes. Then maybe they shouldn't be playing board games. <laughs> but I don't know, man. Like, that's part of the game, dude. Right, right. But as long as we think that way, we it'll never change. Um, fortunately, we're not the ones that are trying to change this. The industry, like the publishers and designers are trying to fix this problem. Yes, right now we're an elitist group where it's like, if you don't want to read a rule book, get out of our hobby. That's not very inviting. Like, that is a huge problem. I have a quote from Rob Davio, and I like this. He says, the best moment of owning a, or opening a game is when you open the box, and the worst moment is when you read the rules. I don't know about you, but there are have been many times where I have read the rules to a game, thought I understood how to play, and still played it wrong. And that's people's fear. It's like, I'm going to get invested in this game. I'm not going to be playing right. I'm missing something. It's complicated. It's work to play these games. And when people feel like it's work... They're just going to go do something else. We are exceptions. We don't mind the work. We put in the work because we enjoy getting the reaping the rewards. But as a whole, as an industry, that is not going to like cause us to get, I don't know, more mainstream or whatnot. But um, all right, let's move on. Because <laughs> more people want to say I'm like wrong. Spencer just got home. My dog just went crazy. <laughs> Anyone heard that? <laughs> ah, he's just part of the podcast. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like we had reached this place where like we weren't having this argument anymore, and now we're right back here. <laughs> well, again, it doesn't need to be an argument. We we disagree. You do not think that reading a rule book is a problem, and that is fine. And I agree with you for most of the people who are hardcore in this hobby. Sure, it's, it's, it isn't. I'm not talking about those people, though. I'm talking about the people that aren't in our hobby. And those people do not want to read a rule book. They're, it sounds like those people don't want to play a game. But that's not true. If you I teach mean, somebody a game, they will play it and they'll be happy to play it. I just don't want to play a game with somebody who's like not willing to cuz to me not willing to read the rules is like not willing to learn the rules. And I guess maybe that's where my breakdown is is like if you're not willing to like take the time to learn a game, to me, it doesn't matter if you're learning it from a rule book or learning it from a person. If you can't be bothered to read a rule book, how can I trust that you're really paying attention to me teaching you this game? How can I trust that you're paying attention to this video teaching you the game? It just seems like you don't care that much. I don't know. Like, I agree that there are some games out there that the rule books are bad and they're hard to read and they're hard to learn from. But if it's a four-page rule book, something like the industry is moving towards streamlined rules, towards really clean, easy setup. I think that's great. I don't have any argument with that. I think that we should be making games more approachable to learn and to teach. But if you're telling me rule books, ugh, 
picking up the rule book and learning the rules to a game. Gross. I hate that. I don't want to play with you. Like, okay. And maybe that's super gatekeepery behavior of me. It is. But like. I mean, it is. It is I mean, very <laughs> gatekeepery behavior. Like it is the behavior that when you're walking into a store and they're playing Warhammer 40K and they all look at you like you're dumb because you don't know how to play this complicated war game on the table. No, that's not what I'm saying. It if is. I came up and said, hey. I'm really interested in learning this game. And they said, okay, cool. Here's the rule book. And I was like, well, I don't want to do that. I deserve for them to be like, <laughs> <laughs> well, then do you really want to learn this game? So again, very still the same <laughs> thing. You really want to learn this game. Here's this 822 page rule book. Read this and then come back and we'll tell you how you got everything wrong. Like this is quintessential gatekeeper behavior to say if you're not willing to invest in my hobby, you can't be a part of it. So No, what I'm saying is I'm not going to break my own enjoyment of my hobby so that somebody who is going to maybe play one game ever can enjoy that one game because it didn't have a rule book. I don't know. Like it just seems like I think you just put yourself in a bear hole. <laughs> I I mean, some look, Katie. Some people want to be taught. They don't actually want to sit down and read, and they're they're perfectly happy. And they're this not going to buy games no matter what. This is so. This is Carmen. This they're is, not going to be the person who buys the game. But this is this is quintessentially Carmen. Like she will she will not sit down and like read a rule book, but she will definitely play a game if you teach her how to play. And how many times does she go to the game store and ask for somebody to teach her the game and somebody says no in a really mean way and then she like comes back later and is like, big mistake, huge, after she finds well, the magical stash of games without rule books. I mean, zero, but those are two different <laughs> things. All right, so here's my thing. is the, the people who don't want to learn from a rule book aren't the people who buy games so all right let me use my significant other as an example sydney mm -hmm. has never learned a game from a rule book ever she's never read a rule book but Maybe she searches she out conventions and game stores and demos and she learns the games by herself sure but if she was to go in to a warhammer 40k and say hey i want to learn this game and they said well you got to read this rule book to join it that would be gatekeeper. Okay, I don't think anyone actually sitting down and playing a game says you must read the rule book to learn how to play the game. That's what you're saying. <laughs> you're I, saying that. I I am taking it back. I'm stepping <laughs> back on that one. I'm saying though that if you are you don't have a game store where you can go in and, you know, say that to somebody who's sitting down and playing the game in that moment. Well, number one, somebody who's playing the game in that moment might be really frustrated by you asking them that question because maybe they only get to play this game once every three months because it's really super hard to set up and you have to have time at the game store and it's really frustrating and I totally get that. But like, hey, sit down and watch us play or hey, this is where I got started. These are the resources I used. Those are all great answers to somebody who comes up watching you play a really super complicated game. So I but think also there's like not really super complicated games that don't have 800 page rule books. Sure. And like, and, 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 and again, just, I think, I think what you're, I understand where you're coming from. I don't think it's a good way to think about our hobby. I don't think that you, like people shouldn't be expected to have to read rule books. A lot of people enjoy games and have still never read a rule book. M much of my gaming groups 
they don't read the rule books. They come because someone's willing to teach them the game and they enjoy the games and they like playing those games. What I am trying to get to though is outside of where you're talking about, outside of, you know, that group that's willing to go that extra mile, how do we lower this barrier? How do we make this a thing? And there is no solution. We're not going to solve this problem. But it is a problem. And if we don't identify it as a problem, if we keep saying, no, it's not a problem, just get better at learning games or find a better way to learn games or find whatever, then we're not solving the problem. We're just avoiding that there's a problem at all. So all I'm trying to get to is, yeah, I don't know what the solution is, but there is a problem. I don't know. To me, it's like, I don't know. I'm part of a lot of like very niche hobbies, And I get frustrated sometimes when people within the niche hobby want to get everyone within into the niche hobby. And I don't think that that it's not gatekeeping. No, because anyone who wants to come in, I'm very welcoming to. I teach a lot of games. I go out of my way to teach people games. What I'm saying is there are people who, if I try to teach them a game, they don't really want to play. They don't want to get into it. It's not for everyone i'm not saying like it's not for everyone like (laughs) i and i get that and i think that there's this thing that like maybe i'm just making this connection in my head of like to me somebody who is so unwilling to learn the way that this has worked no no so they're unwilling to learn the way that you want to learn they could still be willing to learn Yes. If you're talking I mean, about the people where you're teaching them a game and they're like, I don't want to play this game, we're not talking about those people. We're talking about the people who would be interested in a game if they didn't have to go through the number of hoops necessary to learn a game. So you are talking two different groups here. And I agree. If you try to teach somebody a game and they're just like, no, I don't want to play this, that is not the person I'm talking about. Because they're already, they're not invested in learning in regardless of the method or regardless of the comp- complexity of the game. See, to me, somebody who's, like, not willing to learn from a rule book, even though that's the way that you learn when you buy a game, is not somebody who's going to go out and buy a game, no matter what. Unless it's maybe a game that they have already played at a friend's house so many times they know it really well, they don't have to <coughs> ever read the rule book. So this is something sort of, like... This is sort of a chicken and the egg thing. So, you know, again, I use video games as an example... 80s, early 90s, every video game had an instruction book. Once the, the, those rule books went away, then video games became more accessible to bigger groups of people. People would try it out, and they didn't have to read a rule book to play the game, and they would keep playing. And then eventually, over time, people now just, oh, I don't have any, I'll go play a video game, sure, whatever, if it's interesting to me, it's fine, because there's no barrier of entry besides you know sitting down in front of the game. Yes, right now, if you were to just say, we're going to replace all the rule books with Magic Solution X, sure, there's a number of people, lots of people would have no idea that, oh, Magic Solution X exists now. It is a overtime replacement. So, and, and the industry is already doing this. We're trying all kinds of different things to find what that solution is and to kind of retrain people on how you will learn a rule book or learn a board game anyway. Um, so it's... Yes, you can't snap your fingers overnight. It's not going to change. But we need to make incremental changes there. Speaking of incremental changes, let's keep going on some of this feedback, or we will have a part three, and I refuse. So, (laughs) (laughs) Fletcher. Okay. Uh, I just scrolled, and I missed. Am I at Chris Miller? Yep. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So Chris Miller writes, Chris, I hate to say it, but Kitty is right and you're wrong. <laughs> now, Chris is, now Chris is on your team. So whatever it is, he owes it. <laughs> rule books are something that needs to be worked on. Rule book, rule book editors should be sought out as designers are. But to want to shrink or remove them is throwing out the baby with the bathwater. I do agree with you, though, that there should be more player aids and helpful, non-distracting information on the board. Yeah, and I agree. Um, Helpful information, player aids. Every game should have a player aid. Any game that doesn't have a player aid, sorry, you you saved money in the wrong spot. Um, However, if there were a perfect way to write rulebooks, we would be doing it. There isn't. And there isn't because everyone, not everyone, but because different people learn from reading differently. And some people, like we've been talking about, don't learn from reading at all. So... There, there is no one magic. Here's your rule book. And now everyone's going to be, you know, this is the perfect rule book. It just doesn't exist. I do agree that rule books need better editors. Bad rule books are bad and they are the cause of a lot of games failing and they deserve that. Um, don't put out bad rule books, but there's, you can only get so good with rule books. <laughs> saying nothing. <laughs> Uh, I have nothing to add. Christopher agreed with me, and I still agree with what I, I said, what and I stand by my statements. Is that rule books aren't necessarily going away, and he's not advocating for rule books to like go away. It's just that having a rule book and it being the primary source of learning a game is a barrier to entry. There are lots of people who will play games. If Chris, for example, were like, hey, we're going to play this game. And I'm going to teach you. There'd be lots of people that would be like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll come and play this game if you're willing to teach. If you just made a board game available in a room, people would be like, nah, I'll skip it. Because I don't want to sit down and learn to read the rules. But if there's a ready-made teacher there, they'd be like, okay, I'll play this game. And those are the difference is that the same person is willing to play the game if they're taught. But if they're not going to be taught, they're unwilling to play the game. Why? Probably because they have to read the rules. Yeah. I mean, that's that's 100% agree. Hey, I got Glory to play um, Rising Sun. Like, and she played it pretty darn well. I think she, she beat me. But So here's my premise. Is that at a, as an industry, um, if we are trying to say take something like Rising Sun. Rising Sun is a pretty complex game. There's a lot going on there. A lot to do. Um, it's a hard one to pick up from the rule book and learn. Even you taught Gloria that game. Gloria now knows how to play that game. How many games is Gloria going to go out and buy now? She will be more apt to go out and buy things. So I don't, Carmen's a good... I disagree but, well, so with hold that on. statement. I don't think the solution is how to get, to pe- how to get people to buy more games. It, I, it's getting people to play more games. I don't know why else we're trying games. to get people... Well, people are going to play games because the people who buy them are going to learn them. Right, but I don't, I don't necessarily think that like there are some amount of people who are going to like go out and play games and then realize that they like them and then buy them. But maybe not everybody's supposed to is is going to do that. But the but the chances are greater if you get a greater number of people to play. Right, like I learned D anD D not by buying the player's handbook is by going to a friend group where the player's handbook was around and we're like, we're playing D&D. And I'm like, I have no idea how to play this game. Great. Like three, three people did. And I was the fourth one and they all helped me create a character and, you know, muddle through what I was doing. And then 
After that, I became a D&D convert. Like, great, I love D&D. Now I teach other people how to play D&D. But, but you would like, not have done that if you had to learn from the rule book. Is what no, you're because if you like, literally, the D and D rule book is it's all rules. Like, there's no way I'm going <laughs> to pick that off the shelf and be like, "Who wants to play this game? Let's learn together." No one is going to do that. Somebody does it. People well, do it. Yes. How did it become so popular? So, if nobody's going to do that. Okay, hold on. Let me get to Jason Mark's email, which is a very okay. long one, and we need to go through this. So I'm going to read it fairly fast. But he also makes. Um, this point comes up here, so we will circle back to this. He says, first of all, he has to disagree with the fundamental premise, and he hates to say it, but both of us and Eric Lang are missing the actual issue here. No, it, both you and Eric Lang. This is an email address to you. Both you both and Eric you and, Lang. Yes, me and Eric Lang. We're both wrong. And Rob Davio, um, two of the most <laughs> successful game developers in the history of games. But they're they're wrong. I uh, agreed. Um well, I agree that Jason thinks this. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, Jason, I'm not trying to bash on you at all. Um, I think a good rulebook can do a lot to reduce the barrier of entry. The issue that the majority of games have with their rulebooks is that they are not easy to use, which is an issue that has been brought up before, and I know you guys don't disagree there. To use Kitty's example of Wingspan, a good rulebook with illustrations with a little longer is a little longer is far better than a really short three to four page rule book. I also think the game would lose a lot if you put rules on the cards and distract from the artistic merits of the game, which is one of its best selling points. A well laid out rule book can re- ref- be referenced during play after looking at a quick turn overview and can really make the game play much smoother. I also think that a good quick start guide and a player handout can offset even, um, can even eliminate the book barrier or entry in a lot of cases, especially combined with a brief how-to video. I believe that if someone is not interested in board games, they are not going to read the rule books, no matter how short it is, and are not particularly likely to pick up the board game even without a rule book, since you can't see that the bo- um, that there's a rule book in the box in most cases. This is what we've just been talking about. Most people picking up most people picking up a game already have an interest and are likely to look through the rule book if it is confusing or poorly laid out then that will turn them off. So we've discussed a lot of these points already. Jason, you're not wrong, but this is the point, is yes, it, right now in today's snapshot of the world, people are are le- not likely to pick up a board game because they know a rule book's in there. And that's because every board game, except for a very small handful, has a rule book in there. That's the point, though, is we, we need to change that perception saying, hey, there may be a rule book in here, but it is not an intimidating rule book anymore. And just saying, making it streamlined, making it bigger, clearer, all of these things are true to the person who wants to open up the rule book, but it's not going to help the person who doesn't want to open up that rule book, who doesn't even start with opening up the rule book. He continues, most people who start a game do so in one of two scenarios. They play it at a friend's house, and that person has the game, they read the rules, teach it to them. Incidentally, the ones where the rules are passed down are like that. So everyone knows Monopoly because no one ever has to read the rules to Monopoly. That's why nobody plays Monopoly correctly. Yes. <laughs> Two. What a great example. But it is a great example, right? Because it is it is something that is nobody's, – nobody's intimidated by Monopoly. But nobody likes it. Um, nobody – how many people do you know who actually go like, oh, yes – Let's play Monopoly. A lot of people not, I, it, not I did in our so much time. of my perception in this hobby is when I say I like to play board games, people are like, like Monopoly? Sure. That's the question I get is like, yes. ew. Yes. And for hobbyist board gamers, that we No, are- not for hobbyist board gamers. 
people outside of the hobby who I tell I am in this hobby, their only association (laughs) is with Monopoly, and it's bad. Agreed. But it is a holiday game for a vast majority. Well, maybe not majority, but of the people that are gaming out there, more of them are playing Monopoly than a hobby game. Like I don't think so. I don't think Monopoly sells like millions of units every year. Sells. Some of them are getting played. Some of them. But anyway, I'm not here to defend Monopoly. Not going to defend Monopoly. I'm just saying there's no rule. There's no barrier of entry to Monopoly. Therefore, no one's like, yeah, I know how to play Monopoly. You know, everyone knows that. You can do that with just about any of those common, you know, all your all your common card games and stuff that are passed down and things like that. It's like, oh yeah, no, I know how to play that because I was taught as a child. But anyway, number two, he says the very um, interested in there. There are varying interests in the game and spent they are very interested in the game (laughs) they're very interested in the game and they spent their own money to get it in which case they are interested in learning the rules therefore they will read the rule book 100 agree this this isn't the person that i'm talking about if you're very interested in the game and are willing to spend your money to buy it you're going to read the rule book sure like yeah agree again not the person i'm talking about but agree there (laughs) i just don't know who you're talking about like you keep talking about like carmen or gloria and i like, I just don't see, no matter how, like, streamlined or easy to learn whatever the rule book is, Carmen and Gloria are not going to be the people who buy the game and, like, bring it to teach to other people. They like to play when they are taught. They like to have their so, games that they know how to play. And that's, so there's talk, nothing wrong with that. So we talk about gateway games. Gateway games are those games that take people from not being in our hobby to being in our hobby. There is a level of being coming into the hobby, playing enough games where you're like, oh, I like the games that are out there. At that point, you become interested in other games. And even if it's just a small percentage of those people that play the game once or twice that go out and look at something new because they liked that game, that's okay. That's actually how much of our hobby has grown is someone teaches someone a game. It's like, oh, wow, this was cool. Now I'm interested in these other games. At which point they will be more invested in reading bigger, longer rule books and playing bigger, longer games. But you can't discount, you can't just write off the fact that, well, this person's never going to want to play anything more than apples to apples because they don't want to learn the rule book. If apples to apples leads to, well, I don't know what it leads to, but next week we'll do cards to 5k and we can talk further on that. Then that's still okay. It's still breaking down that barrier and allowing the Glorias, the Carmen's, the Sydney's, to walk into a game store and be confident that they can look at a game and say, yes, I am willing to invest time in this game because these other games I played where I didn't have to invest that time have led me to this point. In this my is game. like cards against humanity. Like people who would otherwise not other, like otherwise pick up a game and play it. They play it at a friend's house. They have a really good time and they want to go and buy a box of cards against humanity so that they can play with their other friends. Like, this is, like, it is a game, and I know we kind of, like, deride Cards Against Humanity a little bit, but this is how games spread. And, like, those people who would not otherwise play a game, play it at a friend's house, and then go and buy it. And, right, like, it's not necessarily... I, 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 so, and there's no rule book. Nobody has ever read a rule book for Cards Against Humanity. And that's fine. And that, but there are people who are going to go that that's, they own Cards Against Humanity. That's the only game they're ever going to own. That's because they're going to buy that. They're going to like it. They're going to play it. That's fine. Sure. Sure. And, and let's say that 99 people out of a hundred, that is true. That one person is the person that's growing the hobby. So 
it's it's not a blanket statement that nobody who plays Cards Against Humanity is ever going to buy another game outside of Cards Against Humanity. Maybe, yeah, maybe but the vast they're not majority going won't. to. Maybe unless they're exposed by somebody else to another game. Like, so me coming into this hobby, sure. My mom has always been a huge nerd. My mom buys us board games for Christmas every year. But the real reason that I got into this hobby was through Chris and through my friend Amy. My friend Amy brought over Carcassonne one day and we played it and it was super fun. Chris had Terra Mystica and I just realized how highly (laughs) complex rated that is. And that was one of the first games that was like a hobbyist board game that I played. Let me ask you a question. And I kept getting exposed to these games over and over again. And I didn't start buying my own games until later. But when I went and I bought a game, it was with the understanding that I was going to have to learn and teach the game. Either I, I that think you're or it was something I'd already played and picked up. Yeah. So a friend a friend brought over the game. Did you just pick up the rule book and read it? Or did, did your friend teach you the game? My friend taught me the game. And I don't think there's anything think wrong with point. that. But you know how my friend Amy learned Carcassonne? They probably... She read the rule book. Right, but she would probably was introduced to that game through a friend first too, and then later on read the rule book. Yeah, and and so if you had read the rules to Terra Mystica, you would have never played that game. You would have never gotten through the rule book. At that point where you were invested in your board gaming career, hobby, life, whatever. No, but around that same time I got Ticket to Ride and I read that rule book and I taught that one to myself because it's a much, much easier game to yes. learn and read. Again, I think that from you're, a rule book. Yeah. I think again you're kind of proving my point. <laughs> no, you're proving my point. Nope. Uh, rule we books aren't s- the problem. Complicated and overcomplicated games are always going to be overcomplicated no matter how weird their rules are presented to you and how streamlined the process is. There are easy to learn games that are going to be easy to learn from a rule book, from a friend, from whatever. And those are really good gateway games. And some people are never going to want to play more than gateway games. And I think calling them gateway games is somehow like it's not great for the hobby because it makes them seem like, oh, well, you know, you're just I don't know. <laughs> Getting so, into this. Wait I, till you get deeper and deeper. Like some people don't have to go deeper. It's fun to play easy and like not super heavyweight games. I think the point but that also you're never going to get somebody who doesn't want to read a rule book to play Gloomhaven just because they've created this like weird way of teaching you the rules where you never have to read a rule book. Well, so hold on. I think the point that Chris <laughs> is trying to make is that like you're, everything that you said, like, is correct. However, imagine a scenario where there was a magical thing that would guide you onto playing Gloomhaven, that would teach you how to play Gloomhaven without having having another person there present. Right? That's kind of like I the solution. I still don't want to play Gloomhaven. <laughs> I don't know about that. How do you know that? I mean, I don't know I, that. How me do you know personally, that? I don't like to play Gloomhaven. I mean, okay, I've played but, it before. I didn't enjoy it. I don't want to get out all those pieces though. and play it. Okay, pick any game you haven't played that you don't know if you would want to play or yeah, not. Yeah, it's just an example. Okay, imagining a game that I would like to play. And now there's a magic way to learn how to play that game that doesn't involve a person or a rule book. Does that reduce the barrier of entry to learning how to play that game? If it competently teaches me the rules and makes it intuitive for me to play, sure. But I haven't actually heard an idea or presentation. Because we haven't been able to get to that point yet. But that's the thing that I'm... And I'm not arguing that we shouldn't try to get there, sure. But I just... Well, 
so in a bit, in a like little ways, a lot, lot of, of ways. I mean, in some ways, you options are. Options I'm hearing. You're saying yeah. you don't want to are... play with people who don't want to read the rule book. That's kind of what no, you're saying. I... You you did say that. I don't want to play with people who don't want to learn the rules. Okay. And we've already gone past that. That like that was not what you guys were trying to argue. That's not the statement we're trying to make. Right. So what we're what we and it's. What it's I- a hard issue to talk about because I feel like we're all talking at cross purposes here because everyone is trying to get to the same place, except I think that by pushing too aggressively to get there too fast, you actually harm things in that it makes bad games that people have bad experiences with and don't want to keep playing. Like, um, if we scroll, did we not put this one in here? I don't know what's the, about, about the bad experience with tapestry, Joshua. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We're, we'll get yeah, there in a sec. All right. So let me paraphrase <laughs> some of um, Chris, or Jason's stuff here. Um, he mentions that barrier to entry is is board game setup. Hundred percent agree because when you set up a game, it can look very complicated. And even even if the game is not, if it's presented as if it looks complicated on the table, you are going to have a number of people that are immediately like, "This looks too complex. I don't want to." study tonight so let's just do something else like that happens all the time um it happens for me i'll set up a game and like i really want to learn this game and i will set it up and i'll look at it and be like nope too complicated not in the mindset to be able to read this right now um he says the other thing to consider is that a percentage of the population where board games do know and will not get their interest yes 100 percent. there are people that are never going to want to play board games it's not their kind of fun um i don't think that the vast majority of the people are anti-board game, just in the way that people aren't anti-video game. You know, everybody has played a video game at some point, and two-thirds of the population plays them every single day on average. So regardless of the type of video game, just people play them. It's become a mainstream thing. Um, so here's here's the point that I want to get to here. It says, if you change the argument for to role-playing games and said the rule book is the barrier to role-playing games, I would agree. Some people will not start a role-playing game to the rule book. However, if you were to eliminate the rules or streamline it down to a minimum number of pages, you would lose a lot of people who do enjoy role-playing games and fundamentally change things for them. These are varying levels of complexity in role-playing games, one-page role-playing games to many volumes. And in our analog, the hobby has room for both games that have long rule books as well as short ones. Yes. So, Fletcher, you brought this up earlier. The And you too, Kitty. It's for role-playing games... The vast majority of the people who got into role-playing games did not get into role-playing games by reading the rulebook. They got into role-playing games because one person wanted to play this game, got the book, read it, and then became the game master. And then got a group to come in, and they just taught them what they needed to know. I have played with people who have never actually read a rulebook, any of role-playing game rulebook, but they play every single week. Like, you don't need... The barrier to entry there is eliminated by saying, you just show up. Show up, and the game will happen around you. I mean, if you're talking D&D, they may not have read the whole book, but they they must have read part of it. You have to, to create a character, to level your character, you have to read at least part of the rules that are applicable to you. You don't have to. You don't and have I know to. this because... Yeah, because I have taught people how to create a character for them by asking them questions and getting their answers. And when they leveled up saying, here are your options, what would you like to choose? You don't have okay. to. And how many of them play in campaigns all the way like through the campaign level 20, get like super into it, 
I played with people for, for years and years and years. I played with people mm-hmm. for three years that never owned the player's handbook. Three years on a weekly basis. That never looked at it? That never read the specific paragraph about their character? Sure. Like, I'm not saying that owns I'm not and saying, reads it all I'm and not, like understands the whole world. I'm saying you just have to like read not, the applicable parts. I'm not saying they were illiterate. I'm saying they never owned a player's handbook. When they and needed that's to, not the argument I'm making. You keep arguing at these things that I'm not saying. What? All right. Hold I'm on, not hold saying on. anyone's illiterate. I'm not saying that you <laughs> must own the player's handbook to play D&D. But I'm saying if you're playing a bard and you can't be bothered to read the one paragraph that <laughs> describes what is a bard, then are you really playing D&D or are you creating a character and they're just rolling the dice and sitting at the table and doing the role play? And there are role-playing games where that's basically all you have to do. And that's cool. And I love that there's room for that within our hobby. But if you can't be bothered to read the page about creating your character, are you actually playing D&D or yes. is somebody just playing it for you? No, <laughs> there's more to D&D than the rules, which is why the barrier of entry to being a player in a role-playing game is so low. But the barrier of entry to being the dungeon master or game master is much, much higher. Because that person actually does need to read the rules and know what they are. Otherwise, you're yes, you're right. You're not playing the game. The player never actually needs to read the rules. They ask questions. The player has to know how to play their character, though. Yeah. And there is some rule knowledge and understanding that goes with that. And maybe it's not necessarily reading the book, but hearing the information or whatever. You're learning the rules of the game. And sure, you can get that all audibly, if you're hearing the game master read aloud the rule to you, how is that that different? It's, Except that maybe you're an audio learner versus a visual learner, which is fine. <laughs> All I'm trying to get across is you do not need the rule book. Therefore, the barrier of entry of being a player in a role playing game is much lower. You don't need the rule book. I've, I've proven this I over and over and over. I think you have to have access to the rule book at points. You don't. You do if you're you because you want to read them. You want to know how your character plays. You want to know the details. That's fine. Most people are no, fine but just like saying, if I don't know that a paladin can lay on hands because you forgot to mention it to me, am I playing a paladin not, or am I playing a fighter? I'm not saying it's not written on your character sheet what your character can do. I'm saying you didn't need to rule, get, read the rule book to get it there. I just give you the tiny little bits of information that you need. The rest is just play and have a fun story. But anyway, I I just wanted to make a point of role-playing games, depending on the level you come in and where you're coming in, the barrier of entry is either very high, this is why it's really, really hard to find a GM in any kind of role-playing game, because that barrier of entry is quite high, or you're a player and the barrier of entry is quite low, and you have a lot of people looking to play these games, and they can't find someone to play. So sometimes those those people will say, okay, fine, I'm going to invest and read the rule book. I'm going I'm to cross that barrier, and I will get a group of people. That happens. So, yes. Um, all right. Let's talk about Joshua's Tapestry. Um, and I'm just going to do this real quick because we're a little over on time already. But he says he picked up the, the rulebook to Tapestry, had a difficult time learning the rulebook, so much so that he ended up watching a video to learn how to play it. Um, He's like, while I appreciate the organization, I felt like it could have been spent an extra page or two on some clarifications. I wound up playing against the Atatama, which is the solo game, incorrectly. Um, he thinks the game was basically, the rule book was over-streamlined. I, and at some point I mentioned Tapestry as an example. I had not read the Tapestry rulebook. I learned how to play Tapestry from Lightning Steve and Michael Janikowski at GameholeCon. Um, I read the rulebook well, I looked at the rule book um, after I saw Joshua's email. That rule book's horrible. 
it's a horrible rule book. It's a four-page rule book that should be a 12-page rule book. It's a bad rule book. It doesn't matter and the number of pages. And I thought the whole thing that Jamie Stagmire was doing with this rule book was exactly what the topic of these feedbacks and episode have been about was that he was saying, I'm trying to reduce the barrier to entry by creating this big Civ game with only a four-page rule book. Yes, trying. Like I said, we, we don't have a solution. Magic Solution X doesn't exist, but trying. And that's one of the things that we're seeing a lot of publishers do is try to figure out a way to do this. And we have to keep trying. Is condensing a 12-page rulebook onto four 12-by-12-inch pages the right way to do it? No, I don't think that that's actually going to do anything. Because when you look at that 12-by-12-page thing, it's just, it is so dense. And there's images on there, too. But it's just like, it's, it's just so much information that, you know, when I look at this, my eyes glaze over. And the game's not difficult. Um, you know, yeah, it's not that hard. But I agree, Tapestry doesn't have it right. I'm not, but that doesn't mean that nobody's I, ever going to get it right. We should stop trying to make things better, but I don't think we need to try so hard that we cripple good games with bad decisions Nobody. that are trying to get people into the hobby that are never going to pick up Tapestry as their first game anyway. Nobody is saying that. In fact, more often than not, the problem we're trying to solve is what's crippling good games. Good games that could have a lot more people playing them if the barrier of entry to learn how to play them was lowered. It's not saying changing the game. It's not. It's just saying, how can we approach this differently? There is no magic solution. We're not solving this problem. We, but I honestly think the best solution that I have seen in trying to teach a more complicated game was kind of like dismissed at the beginning of this is the, the like ease it in. But I do think that it's not the way where you have the simplified rules and then the harder rules and you've basically got two sets of rules to learn because that's not easy either. I like the legacy style. You have a story that's leading you through that gives you the handholding of this is the simplified and we add it in bit by bit. And there's a story and a reason why it's getting more complicated. And it's fun and exploratory and you enjoy the journey of learning the game that gets more and more complicated. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I, I love that style of learning. Like I say, Aeon's End Legacy, one of the best ways to learn a game. Starts out simple, gets more complicated. I'm playing Clank Legacy right now. Love it. Way better than Clank. Um, and it gets more and more complicated the more you go through the different things, which is is great. When I'm done with it, I, pr I will have a game that you can play again, because that's one of the things you can do with you know the current batch of Legacy games. Is you At the end, you have a game you can replay. Um, and that's fine. Like, totally good. It's a way of approaching this. It's still not, like, not every game can be a legacy game. Um, you know, Mario Cobble is a legacy game, and it shouldn't be. It is overly complicated because of that reason. So it's it's not a one-size-fits-all. And I don't think Magic Solution X, which is really what the title of the episode should have been three episodes ago, um, <laughs> <laughs> is silver bullet for rules learning exactly I, I just i don't think it's a one thing i don't think it's like this is the thing i think it's going to depend on the type of game it is and i think it's going to depend on that type of game you're going to come up with different ways and different approaches if you're doing role-playing games i think we've got a solution for role-playing games players you don't need to know anything anybody listening to my voice you can play a role-playing game without ever opening a rule book you just need Unless to find a Pathfinder. table to set up. even pathfinder you don't need to well, open a rule book. 
You just need to sit down at a table with someone and they will help you. There's pre-made characters, there's leveling options, there's alternates to reading your rule book. How to play, yes, but I don't think I don't know, maybe it's just like I'm totally being a snob here, but um and there are totally role-playing games out there where that is all you need to do. But I think that something like Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder you need to know enough of the system. And I'm not saying everything. You don't have to be the GM. You don't even have to buy the book. But you have to know enough of the rules and enough of the system that you are not sitting down to session six, session eight, session 10, and still needing the same handholding you did at session one. Sure. Because you are not willing to learn rules. Like there's a difference between not wanting to read the rules, not wanting to teach yourself the rules and not wanting to learn the rules. Yeah. And I think sometimes we get caught up in you or at least I get caught up in that. You will need to read your character sheet, but that is it. And your character sheet can be provided to you. You never have to actually create a character. There's tools You need to know your character you. sheet. You need to But I mean, there's usually Character sheet. Here's your spell. Go look it up no, no, on no, no, page no. number whatever. No, 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 no. Or the whole spell is written out you're, there for you. You're, you've created a really nice character sheet for me, Chris. No, you've just gone to the point where there are, there are certain things you can do that will mean you never have to open up a rule book. But if you want to play a wizard, I'm going to say, okay, you can play a wizard, but now you're opening up the rule book. But if you want to play a fighter, <laughs> never worry about it. You don't need to do it. D20 plus a number. Boom. There you go. Your special abilities written on your sheet. So there's there's levels to that. And that's why I say in role-playing, I think this is a solved problem because there are so many gradients of how you can come into that game where no matter what, if I can just get you to sit down at a table, if you're curious about it, just sit down at the table and you will have a good time. So I will say, um, I learned role-playing games by sitting down at your table. Fletcher, you learned role-playing games by sitting down at somebody else's table. And at first, it was verbally, here's your character sheet. This is how you... I'll tell you what dice to roll when. That was it. Tell me what you want to do. I'll tell you what to roll. This is how it's going to happen. And then slowly over time, I became more and more invested in my character, more and more invested in what my character could do, how it worked, and what I wanted to do with my character in the future. And so I searched out those rules, and I learned more, and I bought the books, and I read them, and I read the setting books, and I learned more and more about it. And I think that, you know, that's the equivalent of my friend brought over Carcassonne, and now I don't just own Carcassonne. I own Azul and Sagrada, and I own... Near and far, and so, trying to list my games off the top of my head again, is really difficult. <laughs> this is this is an example of why you know Solution X needs to exist. You are a success story of that. Sydney has still never opened up a D&D book. And she's played in many a campaign with many different characters. She's never opened up a D&D book. And yet she still learns new games all the time. And she's found the resources that she needs to do this. So they exist out there. Right. So in some ways, Sydney's a success story, too. Yes. Of the hobby as it exists. Yes. And her favorite games are the ones with low barriers of entry or that, that she's been taught, which is, again. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. That's that's my point, though, right, is being they able to exist, have though. that range. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The world is perfect. We don't have to change it. I'm not saying don't change. Everything is wonderful and rainbows, but I'm also saying don't change just for the sake of changing because the industry is telling you that this problem exists. And 
sure, for some games, it is a problem and it can be really hard. And there are people out there who aren't playing games that would probably really love it. But there's also people who are learning, who are coming in. Our hobby is growing. It's growing all the time. And we shouldn't dismiss what we're doing right. Okay. But we shouldn't dismiss the people who don't learn the same way we do either. No. I think that learning by being taught is perfectly fine. And I think you were actually very no. dismissive of videos. No, no, and I think we should be working towards no, making videos no, 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 much no, no, better. No, 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 no. The stuff we're doing today, how we learn videos today, how, or how we learn games today, whether it be videos, rule books, whatever, demos, those only get us so far. Those still only teach... A, and a I'm limited really interested to see what magical silver bullet you come up with that's not that. Because what I am thinking right now is we need to work on making what we have better and work for more people. And yeah, innovate new ideas and come up with new stuff. But I'm not hearing a lot of like, here's what we should be trying and here's okay. what we should be doing. What and I'm hearing a lot of is, here's why what honestly, you like to defense, try to work on because, is wrong. Yeah, that's not, that's not def- what he's proposing. <laughs> He's saying, like, you know, you don't, you can come up, you, you can imagine a better scenario without having to, like, um, you know, come up with it, essentially. Yeah. The, yeah. The reason we never got to the point of talking about what we could do outside of what we were already doing is because it took me three episodes to <laughs> highlight the problem is actually a problem. And I still don't think you believe it's a problem, which is, that's fine. But it is a problem. I don't think rule books are a problem. I will never think rule books are a problem. I am all about supplementing and working towards making learning games easier. But I don't think that rule books are the evil that you set them out to be every single time that I'm like, okay, we've put that aside. And you're like, accept that they are awful. And no one likes them. And they're (laughs) bad. Not rule books. (laughs) Rules. It's different. What? Not rule books. Rules. The rules. Rules are important. Rules are what makes games games. Yes. Without rules, it's not anything. I'm not saying get rid of them. I'm saying presenting them differently. I don't know what's happening anymore. I'm tired. It's so long. (laughs) All right. We are done. Next week when you can hear more Chris and Kitty argue. No. We, I will never talk about rule books with Chris ever again. We are not talking about rule books ever again. Um, (laughs) <laughs> it is going in the Kickstarter vault of topics I can't talk about with Chris. Um, so next week, there's a couple different topics that we are looking at. I do want um, Adrian Dong pointed out on BGG that there is an app that helps you learn games. Like we were talking about, I think last week we talked about an app. If you go to, um, I think it's Dized, Dized or Dizzed, it's D-I-Z-E-D dot com. Um, it is an app. Currently, they have like 15 different games. Uh, and they're adding more. So if you're interested in learning or seeing what learning from an app would be like, there's one out there, so check that out. Um, Steve wrote us about our Couch to 5K. We are going to actually make that our topic for next week because we've been talking about it, and now I'm just going to put us on the spot, (laughs) and we're going to do it. Um, And then, (laughs) uh, Todd, you wrote in with a a topic suggestion, so we're going to make that the one after, probably, which is why I'm not saying it because... Who knows how long it takes her to Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, you can follow us at Facebook at TabletopGameTalk.com if you still want to listen to us. Um, Twitter's at TabletopGameTLK. Kitty's Lawful Good Mom. Fletcher's Net Fletch. I am Game Master Chris. Uh, you can leave us a review on iTunes. You can also follow us or patron us on Patreon. Um, easiest way to get there is TabletopGameTalk.com 
patreon.com slash patreon. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Thanks for listening, and remember, we love your feedback. So email us with comments or questions about any topic except today's at tabletopgametalk.com. And we have credits from Patrick. All right, Patrick, let's see what happens and go. Glenn Gloom, Haven Cotter, Paul Pandemic Legacy, Season 1, Raymer, Terrence Terraforming Mars, Miltner, The SUC Through the Ages, It's New Story of Civilization, Benjamin Brass, Birmingham, Hamowitz, Tim Twilight, Imperium, 4th Edition, Vernick, Timothy Twilight, Struggle Gross, Sahara, Star Wars Rebellion, Wentworth, Gregory Guy, Project Huber, Sean Scythe, P. Kelly, Weatherman, War of the Rings, 2nd Edition, Keith, Sean, Spirit Island, Peck, Trevor and Terra, Mystica, Davis, Caleb, The Castles of Burgundy, O'Brien, Chris Concordia, Lowe, Brian, Brass, Blanchire, Arnold, Adam, Arkham Horror, The Card Game, Harrison, Phil, Puerto Rico, Swartzel, Foz, Office for Odin, Flintham, Marina, Mage Knight, Board Game, Stevens, Christopher, Caverna, The Cave Farmers, Dong, Adrian, Agricola, Dong, Matthew, Mansions of Madness, 2nd Edition, Droke, Michael, Max vs. Minion, y- Yanikowski, Stefan, Star Wars, Imperial Result, Phillips, Ron Root, Nelson, Emil, Eclipse, Jewel, Jacobson, Leanne Lahav, Velhost, Angie's Azul Toth, Nate Nemesis, Christopher, Kalanza, Caledonia, Leto, Rudy Robinson, Crusoe, Adventures on the Cursed Island, Lou, and Android Net Reynolds, Netrunner Reynolds, David Diamond, Species Sellers, Cindy, Kayless, Loom, Seamary, Kling, Building Adventure, Eric Eldridge, Horror, Hoffman, Mike Wumbasa, Smith, Don, Dominion, Entry, Gilstrap, Eric Everdell, Sealander, Stephen, Sherlock Holmes, Consulting Detective, The Dames, Murders, and Other Cases, Judd, David, Dominion, Reddy, Stephen, Star Wars, X-Wing, Miniatures, Game Sites, Jason, Jaipur, Marks, Nicholas, Nation, Slots, Miles, Memoir, 44, Clark, Nick, Nirenfar, Quickstra, Jason, Just One, Rodney, Jason, Junkart, Strong, Jennifer, D- Jamaica, Engelbrecht, Jeremy, Jumbo, Fisher, Jerry, Julia, Caesar, Huang, Jesse, Java, Wakofiak, Timothy, Jump Drive, Joe, Junta, Hoover, Joe, Jungle Speed, Rexad, John, John, Company, Lewis, and Justin, Jaws, Willard. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. So I may have sped that up since it was, um, I think, about three minutes long in, in its normal form. <laughs> so so I tried to make Patrick not sound like a chipmunk, but it was definitely faster, Red. All right. Um, let's just call this a night. <laughs>